Welcome to the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast, where we take the mystery out of today's top security threats and solutions. Cybersecurity is a growing national security and economic security imperative for the U.S. government. And the FBI is on the front lines as the lead federal agency investigating cyber attacks. The Bureau works to unmask cyber criminals wherever they are. In this special edition of Cybersecurity Simplified, we will open up the FBI files on cybersecurity with an exclusive interview with a retired FBI agent who oversaw the cybercrime fraud unit. Hi there, I'm your co-host, Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. And David, it's no secret we have a guest today. I just mentioned it. And a cool we one, do. might I add. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Scott Augenbaum joined the FBI in 1988 and became a special agent in 1994, where he worked domestic terrorism, white collar and hate crimes, and all computer crime investigations. In 2003, he was promoted to supervisory special agent at the FBI headquarters in DC in the cyber division, cyber crime fraud unit, and was responsible for managing the FBI's cyber task force program and intellectual property rights program. In 2006, he moved to Nashville, Tennessee to be at the FBI Memphis division computer intrusion counterintelligence squad. And if that's not enough, over the past 10 years, he's been educating the community on emerging computer intrusion threats and how to not be the victim of a data breach. And that's why he's joining us uh, for our latest episode in the Cybersecurity Simplified podcast. That is a laundry list, Scott, <laughs> of your credentials. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for having me. And if you were to told me some 34 years ago that this kid from Brooklyn, New York, would be retired from the FBI, wrote a book about cybersecurity, and be hanging out with you guys, I would have said not my life at all. Well, thank you so much for having me today and giving me an opportunity to meet your listeners and spend a couple of minutes with you guys. Yeah, so glad you're here with us. And thank you, actually, David, who knows you from uh, your days in Nashville. David, tell us a little bit about why you respect Scott and why he is uh, just full of knowledge and thought leadership in cybersecurity. Sure. <clears throat> so respect is a strong word. I'm not, I'm not sure that we've evolved in our relationship. <laughs> um, no, but truthfully, everywhere I go, I, I talk a lot about how important it is to have relationships with your local FBI agents. Um, you know, in the cybersecurity world, we've been taught for years that when you open the kimonos and and um, the the FBI comes in or the Secret Service, then they have access and and all this stuff to your data, and it's a bad thing. And and what I have found through my years of working alongside these agents is they're anything but intimidating. They're anything but uh, professional. They they want to help you solve cyber problems. And so I got to know Scott here in town, and. What I also learned is Scott is very well respected amongst all of my peer group. So Scott gets around in a good way um, <laughs> and he's got skill and knowledge and he conveys it in a way that makes it simple. And with our podcast being, you know, the cybersecurity simplified, it makes sense to, to reach out to someone like Scott who has the experience, who has the credentials, who's been there and done that. And just pick his brain and, and let our listeners hear his perspective. Scott, I'd love to hear your thought on getting engaged with companies before something bad happens, right? Building those relationships that we talked about. 
And that's really the bottom line. And that's so important. And let, let's just kind of go back a little bit in history. You know, when I started as an FBI agent in 1995, if you'd asked me to define the role of an agent, it was so easy to do. Bad people did bad things to good people. I worked with state and local cops. We put bad guys in jail. What a fun and exciting job for this 27-year-old kid at the time from Brooklyn, New York. A gun, a badge, a bulletproof vest, car with lights and siren. I didn't join the FBI to work cybercrime and do public speaking. I wasn't good at either of them. I got sucked into the world of cybercrime in 1998 because the FBI became the lead law enforcement agency responsible for infrastructure protection. And since I was a whiz at a Windows 95 computer, which meant that if there was a problem, <laughs> I knew how to shut the computer off and turn it back on. Right. And I knew how to install an America Online disk. So my skill sets were three years ahead of the other agents. So I got stuck becoming the cyber guy in the office. And I couldn't get rid of it. And all my friends made fun of me back in the day. And that's where my journey really began with cybercrime. And the FBI forms a, a cyber division at headquarters in 2002. So let's get the record straight. The government was involved with cybercrime back in 98. 2002, the cyber division is formed in within the FBI. I get to Nashville in about 2006 as the first supervisor of the FBI cyber squad, where we had a cyber task force with the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, with the Franklin Police Department, the cover up couple of other law enforcement agencies, even the Secret Service, because it acted as a full force multiplier. And one of the things I did is I went out and I engaged the private sector and I did a ton of presentations and briefings. And one of the most important things that I've learned, and that's where I met you, was it was so important for law enforcement to go out and to have these relationships with the private sector. And that's where I met you. What, what year was that, do you think? I don't hear you, David. No, we I don't need we don't need to hear David. <laughs> probably, probably six or seven know. years ago is my guess. Yeah. And, and that was it. And so here I am, uh, Susanna, having to engage these types of guys, you know, in, to get to know them and to build the rapport. And, you know, and, you know, the cybersecurity guys are a lot of fun, right? Just smile and, you know. Some of, look, some of us are just like you, you FBI guys. Some of you are fun and some of you not so much. <laughs> yeah. But let me just kind of explain to you, you know, here's how I look at my career. I never looked at myself as an expert. I wasn't the most technical guy in the world. I looked at my role as more of a reporter. Because during my career with the FBI, I had a chance to interact with almost a thousand cybercrime victims. And I learned what I like to call the four truths about cybersecurity. And I'm going to bounce each one of these truths off of both of you, because I like to challenge them to see if this is real in the real world. The first truth about cybersecurity is none of my victims ever expected to be a victim. And these also fit in line with false beliefs. I don't have anything that anybody would want to steal. I don't fit the threat profile. 
I'm a small company. I heard that from $500 million companies. I'm a publicly traded company with a $5.8 billion net asset value. And I would try to talk to them, and they were all blown away. They all said, "Why? how did this happen to us? Why would this happen to us? Why would anyone target us? So this is the first truth about cybersecurity. Let me ask both of you as information security professionals, what do you think about that, what I just said to you? Is that common to this day from your experiences? Are you hearing that with your clients? Susanna, go ahead. Yeah, I would say uh, for for the smaller companies, for the in the SMB space, uh, they're they're like, why us? We don't have enough revenue. We're not generating enough revenue. Why wouldn't they target the big players? And we have to remind them constantly. It's because those big players in the enterprise have robust cybersecurity, and the little guys are just open targets, essentially. But yeah, and and I was just gonna echo that. When I go out and talk to SMB customers, um, they they have this perspective, Scott, that a firewall and antivirus is enough, mm-hmm. and and that's all they need to protect themselves because they don't have anything of of value. Um, you know, living where I do, there's a a dentist office up the street in Nolansville that had ransomware, and they couldn't see patients for weeks. They lost money. So, did they have something of value? Absolutely. They had a client list. They had a receivables that they had to, you know, they had to generate revenue. They couldn't. So, yes, even the small guys who think, why am I a target? They are targets. Mm-hmm. And those were my worst victims. Because I've dealt with every single large organization in my area of responsibility. They all had issues. They all had next generation firewalls. They were all <laughs> compliant. They all had socks, but they didn't understand the threat. And I'm going to be honest, I didn't lose any sleep because I had to deal with the small businesses, the nonprofits, the religious organizations that were destroyed in front of me. The next truth about cybersecurity is when the when when you are a victim and the cyber criminals steal your stuff and let's think about it, what is your stuff? Your intellectual property, your money, you get impacted with ransomware all of a sudden your entire CRM database shows up on the dark web. Mm -hmm. When you contact law enforcement, the chances of law enforcement getting your stuff back and fixing the problem with a magic wand, I'll let you guys finish the thought. What do you think? Zero percent. Well, in the world of the business email compromise, I like to say if there was a Hall of Fame for FBI agents, I'd go to the Hall of Fame. By luck, I helped get back six wire transfers. And I like to think I'm a Hall of Famer, but if the rec- but if you would tell me, if you want to hear my win-loss record, I'm probably five wins, 15,000 losses. And, I, and to this day, and I'm still talking to my friends, $24 million victim just last week, $37 million victim. But those companies will survive. They're big companies, but right. small ones. Think about that, both of you. What's the devastation impact when a small business loses their entire payroll because nobody realized that they needed to turn two-factor authentication onto their payroll account? And then yeah, they every- go out of business. Yeah. I've seen that, 
both. Yeah, me too. I've dealt with that. A thousand victims I've touched. Okay, so that's the second truth about cybersecurity. The third truth, the chances of law enforcement bringing the cyber criminals to justice is? Back to zero or very low. Yeah, it's challenging. And why is that? And even though I'm going to tell you, first of all, we're dealing, when I was a young FBI agent, the cyber criminals were in my area of responsibility today. They are located in China. They're located in Russia. They're located right. in Africa. Just through, I was just interviewed by the BBC on a major criminal mastermind by the name of Hush Puppy. He was a social media influencer from Nigeria who just was arrested. You know, they got a guy off the street. Just yesterday, the FBI in Poland indicted someone who's in custody who was responsible for ransomware. Let me ask both of you, are we any safer today than we were before these two arrests happened? No. No. Not whatsoever. And think about this. When I was with law enforcement, I would always say, the FBI, we are not going to arrest our way out of this problem. And you were not to spend your way out of the problem. That's so right. let, me, let me throw in a couple of other wrinkles here. So we got the first three truths to cybersecurity. The f- and now I just want to let you know that according to statistics, the cybercrime problem keeps going up year after year. According to cybersecurity ventures in 2015, it was a $3 trillion problem. Today, it's a $6 trillion problem. That's before, rans- that's before COVID-19 made everybody working remotely. It's going to go up to a $10 trillion problem by 2025. But there's a really interesting stat here that everybody is overlooking. So both of you can agree with me that the cybercrime problem is going to go up in the next five years, right? Yes. Completely. Okay. But what does it mean that we're going to continue to spend more and more money over the next five years and the problem is going to keep getting worse? What does that mean? We can't win. We can't outspend it. Okay. We can't outspend it. You know what it means to me? We're not doing things right. That makes a lot of people in the marketplace very, very uncomfortable. Because I've been told before, I mean, I've been out in presentations and people have said to me, Scott, we don't like your messaging. Because let me tell you what the fourth truth about cybersecurity is. And remember, how do you think this makes people feel? You're not getting your stuff back. Nobody's going to jail. We keep spending money. The problem is getting worse. That's the fear uncertainty, the doubt, the FUD that we talk about. I call it fear from real experience. Right. However, I hit this wall during my career. Here I am, day in and day out, I'm getting telephone calls from individuals. And I'll never forget the day, this was one of the turning points that I had, where a company's complete operating account was wire transferred out through the business email compromise to an account and we traced it back through three banks and eventually it made its way to Georgia, the country of Georgia. Mm-hmm. And here I am, I'm sitting with a small organization. I couldn't get their money back. I couldn't put the bad guys in jail. Let me ask you, how do you think that made me feel? You're frustrated. Horrible. Thousand victimizations, it's the same thing. Phone rings, I'm dealing with the stuff every single day and I wanted to give up. 
until I realized I had that aha moment, which was the fourth truth about cybersecurity. And that is a majority of my victimizations easily could have been prevented. Now, am I oversimplifying this? Just a little bit. Just a little bit. However, if 90% of what I dealt with during my career could have been prevented, then why do we not just focus on these things first? Mm-hmm. So without giving away too much, Scott, what is that prevention secret sauce? I mean, there's so much out there. There are thousands of point solutions, security software. Everyone today, you can't even watch TV or listen to a radio program without hearing some sort of cybersecurity commercial. So Mm -hmm. everyone has the answer, but it's not the answer. Yeah. And, you know, I wrote a book called The Secret to Cybersecurity. And when I wrote the book, I didn't really have a secret. You know what I, You know what the secret is? You don't have to be the next victim. And let me cover for you seven steps in a very simple framework. And this is what I talk about all the time. I'm going to explain to you what constituted almost 90% of my work. All the bad guys need to do is steal one thing from you to cause you complete grief in your life. And what is that one thing? username and password. Mm -hmm. Today, to this day, when I talk to my friends who are all doing intrusion response work, almost 90% of the revenue being generated by IR companies happens to be an account compromise. And everyone's going like this, hey, I need a point solution. Mm -hmm. And I've sat down with these companies, and this is why I love what I do because I work for myself. This is what I tell these companies. I said, if I would take your solution and I would put it on my victims, they all would have been victimized. And everyone goes, oh, my God, that's bad. No, it's not. Your your solutions are part of everything. We need to change the mindset. Mm -hmm. So let me run through these couple of points really quickly. We need to realize it's an account compromise is all the bad guys need to do to destroy your life. Phishing, vishing, and smishing, social engineering is the number one attack vector. And I'm going to explain why most solutions don't pick up any of this stuff. Just like yesterday, we read in the paper, are you guys familiar with what happened yesterday with the big data breach over at Robinhood? Mm-hmm. And they brought in the top of the line intrusion response company. And what did they find out? Do you know what caused that? Business email compromise. Telephone call. Telephone call. Hmm. Hey, that's great. I don't know what the IR company is going to tell you. Maybe set policies. So we need to realize that phishing is the number one attack vector. Number two, the next point is 60, all the bad guys need to do is steal the username and password. And that's why they're using phishing to distribute malware and to steal passwords. But they don't need to do that because There's 8.4 billion usernames and passwords on the dark web. 66% of the population is using the same password for multiple platforms. So let me simplify this for you. You guys familiar when Facebook was only having small problems, when they lost 533 million usernames and passwords? Yep. What did Facebook tell us all to do? Change our password. Change our password, yeah. Let's just say everybody changed their password. What's the problem? 66% 66% of the population is using the same password for multiple Right, platforms. for other things, banking and internet and e- email and you name mm-hmm. it. Well, let's say you do everything right. What about all of your clients? They're not doing 
that. Nope. So now we need to identify what are our mission critical accounts mm-hmm. that we need to realize. And I walk people through this because they need to do it at home. If they don't do it at home, they're not going to do it for business. They need to set up strong and robust passwords and you got to figure out a way. And I have a very unscientific method because there's no way I can get my mom to use a password manager. And then once you do all that, if you are not using two-factor authentication, I don't care what you do, you're going to fail. Yeah, agree. And I see companies all the time. They're buying the greatest solutions in the world, but they don't have Mm two-factor. And even if you have two-factor, all you need to do is realize that one of your clients had their email compromised, and now the business email compromised. Those seven steps, which I teach in my framework, if a company would do those seven steps, it would reduce the other 90, 90%. The other 10%, that's hard. That's what you guys need to do. But let me ask you, that little tiny framework that I just showed you, how much money do you need to go out today to implement that, to reduce your risk? Not a lot. You're not going to go out, and here's the thing, you're not going to, I don't change corporate culture. I've been sitting with organizations all the time, and they tell me two-factor authentication is too hard. And you know what I tell them? I don't care. But when you do have a data breach, contact me, and I'll put you in touch with a good IR firm. Mention my name. They'll take five, they'll take 10% off your five, six, or seven-figure engagement. And then they'll right. kick back 25%. And I can't say kickback. I'm a retired FBI agent. Guys, that's my framework. Did I tell you anything that you don't already know? No. No. There is no secret. That's the joke in everything that I do. I get hired by companies and I'm like, look, just do these seven things. You don't need to, you don't need to bring me in. You could do it all on your own. If you want Go to Barnes and Noble and steal a copy of my book. Or just go read it. It's easy. It's a fifth grade reading level. I had to bring it up from fourth grade to fifth grade. Yes, we will add the title and a link uh, to your book, uh, Scott, to our YouTube page, as well as our website. Thank you so much. Uh, Awesome discussion. Fortunately, we have run out of time. Uh, So, we we love having you. We'd love to have you come back and join us for another episode if, if you care to. Oh, absolutely. I think we can go for part two through nine. I mean, <laughs> well, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Scott. Uh, from all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm Susanna Song. And I'm Dave Barton. And this is Cybersecurity Simplified. From all of us here at Overwatch by Highwire Networks, thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on the Cybersecurity Simplified Podcast. To learn more, visit us at highwirenetworks.com slash podcast.